is Monday, December 19th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to our Week 15 Recap Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. Back with me is Adam Krautwurst. And Adam, we are talking before the show. We're kind of at, you know, a challenging time of year for everybody, regardless of what you have going on. But we've got the usual Christmas stuff. We've got the concerts for the kids. I'm sure you're dealing with that, too. We've got, you know, random sports practices. But now we've also got the winding down of the fantasy season. We've got teams that we're either managing like, you know, traditional season long fantasy or best ball tournaments that we're just watching and praying and hoping. But you know, it's that time of year where we're like, Oh, this team, I am either going to remember forever or remember forever for the wrong reasons. Yeah. I feel like this season is a remember forever for the wrong reasons type of season. Um, and I, I think a lot of people probably feel that, feel that way. Um, I got a sweat tonight, Matt, 5k buy-in, FFPC, I need to fade 31 from Christian Watson and the Packers defense. Uh, what are we thinking? You feel you feeling good about that? You you need to get 31 combined points from those two? No, I you need, need to, those two to not reach that. Correct. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I know. Third. I mean, you know, that's those are big numbers. So it's not difficult to see them not getting that. But if KJ Osborne can top 30, then I'm not going to bet against Christian Watson <laughs> scoring some points. Uh, well, don't worry. Cause I had, I had Brian Robinson last night smashing that touchdown at the end of the game that really gave me a nice, nice buffer. <laughs> so that was, that, that, that was always nice to see for what it's worth. The one spot where I really care about the Packers scoring any points, that team already lost anyway. So I won't be rooting too hard, but we'll talk at the end of this one about <laughs> some underdog pickums. And I think I might be going, against what you're hoping for with Christian Watson there. Uh, we'll start at the beginning of the weekend, though, with the Saturday games, which was a much more fun Saturday of football than it started out, especially in Colts Vikings. I think primary takeaway, obviously, people have talked plenty about how that game went and the record comeback from the Vikings. My primary takeaway for fantasy is to not fear either of these defenses. I don't think anybody was fearing the Vikings. It was already a defense to target, especially on the passing side. But the Colts now, they've looked previously like maybe a defense that alters your plans at running back. They still sit 12th overall in Football Outsiders DVOA, but they're just 15th against both the pass and the run. They allowed 190 total yards to Dalvin Cook. I know he had the long touchdown catch and run late in the game that uh, affected that. But, you know, they're just not giving you the kind of trouble that I think should change your plans at running back from this point. Yeah, I mean, what an insane game. I mean, the, the the Bills did lose one this weekend, and it was this greatest comeback of all time that they lost here to the uh, Minnesota Vikings comeback. But uh, Frank Reich's like, Jesus, what am I not going to lose this year? <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but uh, yeah, what a what a wild, insane game to kick off the weekend. By the way, there needs to be football every Saturday all year long for the NFL. I'm not a big college guy until like you know fan, uh, dynasty draft season, but. Uh, yeah, this is this this, this was incredible. Uh, yeah, the defenses on both sides weren't, weren't great. Obviously, it was the story of two two halves, and you know Jonathan Taylor ruining people's seasons. You know another player, add another player to the list of ruining seasons. I think obviously affected the game. I mean, you never want to see Zach Moss if Jonathan Taylor gets twenty four carries in that game. He goes if if Zach Moss goes for eighty one yards, Taylor goes for one hundred and sixty. Like it, it, that that changed uh, the the entire game. And there was a lot of scoring opportunity there early uh, at the running back position. Like Jonathan Taylor would have probably scored early on uh, from the goal line when he when he wasn't in there after the injury. And by the way, the TV announcers no one reports that there's an injury to JT for like. 
it seemed like a half an hour. Like if it wasn't for my smartphone reminding me 56 times that Jonathan Taylor was out, he's in the tent, he's going to the, like no one bring like the announcer were like, Hey, why is, why is Zach Moss in there at the, at the goal line? No, nobody says a word, but, um, but yeah, neither of these defenses um, seem to be a problem. But again, it's hard when you get a game script like this, you yeah. know, the, the, the Colts pass defense has been good, really good over the course of the year. Obviously there's some really good receivers here on this Vikings team. And when you're up by 30 points, you know, the, the schemes are different. The players are playing different. Um, but, but yeah, overall, probably not uh, too scary uh, for the rest of the season. And Kirk cousins is different going over 400 yards for the second straight game. Um, obviously I'm going to go ahead and bet the under on 400, but <laughs> his performances the past two weeks certainly make it easier to go ahead and start him fairly confidently against the giants and Packers, the final two weeks of most fantasy seasons. And then certainly the bears in week 18, if you play that far. Yeah. I mean, great. You know, it's a f- funnel here too. odds more, you know, I have a, t- it's funny how best ball season can remind you of the players that you loved early. Like I have a ton of KJ Osborne. They're going to go to three wide receiver sets. KJ Osborne had a great finish to last year. He's a pretty good receiver, nothing all year. And then all of a sudden, bang, the fancy playoffs. Like, Oh, look at these Jefferson Osborne stacks that, that, that I have. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's good to see Osborne get, get going 10 for 157 in his score. Could have had another long one that I thought was a catch that they overruled because refs hate football, but, yeah, no, they look good. Osborne, Jefferson, um, you know, Cousins has just got a nice uh, group of receivers around him and, and running backs that can catch. So uh, Thielen, three for 41 in a score. He was irrelevant to like the end of the game. Uh, lucky if you if you started him to get it to get a touchdown there. But um, but yeah, good, good game for, for everybody except for Hawkinson. Nine targets, a um, couple of contested catches there, uh, one one clear drop. So just not not a very good game for him. Those are the kinds of things that'll drive you nuts about fantasy, though, because if you look at the, you know, if you didn't know anything, you look at the box score, you're like 425 yards for Kirk Cousins. Yes. Hawkinson got me there. Adam Thielen must have done something. And then it's like, KJ Osborne, what happened? So that's where it gets tough to, you know, differentiate between process and results. We obviously nobody would projected the game to go the way that it did, but it should have been a decent spot for passing upside here. And you ultimately never really know besides Justin Jefferson, who is going to get theirs with these Vikings. So, you know, we'll, we'll try to assess it all as we go forward, but we'll move to the Ravens and Browns game now. And here's where I think there was a projections mistake. I think Deshaun Watson over the past three weeks, we've just over trusted. I mean, it was a little easier to do his first time back because you say, well, maybe we should be apprehensive about a guy who hasn't played in like two years, but it is Deshaun Watson. So if he's ready to go, it's going to be the kind of thing we don't want to miss out on. This is his third game back. His second was better, but still nothing special. And this is, you know, it was an okay game against Baltimore a defense that has been playing pretty well overall, but much tougher on the run than the past. We got one touchdown, so it wasn't a total loss with Watson, but it's clear to me that we've just kind of over-trusted him and I guess fabricated this worry of, well, what if Deshaun Watson turns back into Deshaun Watson in this game and probably kind of underrated the, well, what if he doesn't because yeah. he's still only a couple weeks away from a two-year layoff? Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, a lot of it's 
if you started him like I had to in one big league, it's because I had no, I had no choice with the injuries to a lot of these tournament team quarterbacks. Like there's no, you're not even allowed to pick up another quarterback. So you're stuck with a guy like Deshaun Watson. You're hoping, but you know, a lot of the, in these division rivalry games between two teams built on running the ball in defense, like it was hard to see Watson really, really going to smash in a performance like this, you know, but he's got, he, I think he's got the weapons to do it. Uh, Cooper people's Jones and Joku, you know, Chubb, Good, good offensive line, so there, it, it it's there uh, if he uh, can, can can get better. Because you're right, he he hasn't looked good this year. I'd like to see in games where he's not good passing to get a little bit more rushing in, in you know rushing involvement. Only only 22 rushing yards. I think his long was like 17. Like he he had like one, and it was, that was a scramble. It wasn't even a designed run. So um, you know, not much on the ground there for him either. Just kind of a really ugly game in a divisional battle between two defensive teams. Yeah, I think that he's been more of a, a scrambler than a designed runner in his yeah. career. I don't have those numbers in front of me. So yeah. it's possible that the O-line is like not bad enough to help him get the rushing production here. I would say I would expect that he'll be outside of our top 12 for week 16. I would plan as though he's not going to be in that range. I would try to find a better option. He's still kind of, I think, in that range where if you need him, it's okay. They've got the Saints coming up. They've got the Commanders after that, which hasn't been a great matchup recently. So I would try to have a better option, but not consider Watson somebody that I have to replace if the pickings are too slim. Yep. On the Baltimore side of this one, we got another 100-yard game from J.K. Dobbins. Not a huge game because he didn't find the end zone, but we'll take 100 yards from a guy two games back from IR. Now he gets the Falcons, so it's going to be difficult to not play Dobbins in the coming week. We'll see about whether Lamar Jackson's back in the fold. Yeah, Dobbins looks looks great, you know. Um, had a couple runs, breakaway, that he says he would have broken free if he was fully healthy. Maybe. I mean, he's not really a speedster, but um, he's looked he's looked really good getting to that, like, third third level. I don't know. Did you see any, any of those pictures of his knee with, like, the ports that are, like, sticking, like, through his skin? <laughs> like, they're, like, test ports or whatever, <laughs> scopes that, like, haven't fully healed over yet. It's kind of gross to look at if you ever – get a chance to look at that, but there's pictures of his knee with like bumps sticking out of it. It's gross, but um, he looks, he looks great. I mean, listen, he's, it's going to be he's an interesting pick going into next year's draft, depending on what they do. I mean, he won't be a high pick because he doesn't catch footballs, but he might be one of those like Josh Jacobs fifth, sixth round. Like, Hey, you know, we could see this guy do, doing something former um, standout running back with just some, some bad injury luck, but um, yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to start him moving forward. If you, if you have him probably depending on your running back situation, but they're, they're feeding him um, not a ton of carries for him, but compared to the other backs, he gets 13 Gus Edwards gets seven. Um, and so justice Hill only gets one RIP Kenyon Drake. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's Dobbins is, uh, is cooking for the rest of the year. I think. I'm going to bet that he starts more like round four in early best ball drafts because there are a lot of people that want J.K. Dobbins to be a star. But, you know, we'll see where he settles. I wouldn't be surprised, too. I I wouldn't be surprised if he goes like Travis Etienne in last year's drafts, where if you draft early, he's in round four. Then he starts creeping into round three and people just get more and more excited, especially when we're looking at half PPR drafting. That would be interesting. I see I'm a I'm a Dobbins guy, but even I wouldn't. You know the, the the pass catching. I mean, even look, look at a game like this. He's awesome. Ever just ten yards of carry, and he just you know twelve to twelve points. Like if you're not going to get any catches or thirteen points, he gets one catch for three yards. Like if you don't score or get catches, it's really tough to 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 get you in, into the third round, especially on an offense that's not like elite. Yeah. 
I'm going to start out expecting that I won't be much on Dobbins and then we'll see. I'm always looking to adjust if the yeah. market turns out different than I expect. Bill's Dolphins close things out. Josh Allen's pretty good, don't you think? Yeah, he's kind of he's kind of good, you know. I mean, four what did he have? Four passing touchdowns, three passing touchdowns, four. To uh, to Dawson Knox, Quentin Morris, Naheem Hines and James Cook. I mean, <laughs> if that's not an MVP, like we all predicted. If that's not an MVP, I don't, I don't know what is. I know, I know you got your boy over there in Philly, but uh, <laughs> yeah, Allen was awesome again uh, in Clement, in Clement weather. Not, not as bad as we all thought it was going to be. I'm getting like killed on, you know, I'm just posting what the news around here is, 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 is reporting, but uh, the snow finally came uh, for, for the game at like, you know, the, the fourth quarter uh-huh. uh, when the bills co- coincidentally started making their, making their comeback for, for, for the win. So um, yeah, Allen, I, we're obviously starting Allen. Allen's fine. You know, Diggs has crushed me in fantasy the, 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 the last two weeks, Diggs, Devontae Adams, there's a couple of guys like that that have just d- disappeared over the last two weeks. This one's weather related. Um, Allen did miss Diggs on a long one. Could have been a 60 or 70 yard touchdown rolling left uh, just overthrows him slightly. Uh, Diggs also dropped a touchdown in the, in the back of the end zone. Um, so he didn't help himself there either, but Hey, Josh Allen's always going, going to get there. Gabe Davis stinks. Um, you know, Isaiah McKenzie stinks. A lot of these guys aren't even startable anymore, but uh, the run game outside of Josh Allen, non-existent again. So uh, yeah. Good, good luck if you have any pieces outside of Diggs or Allen. Yeah, Raheem Mostert was did not stink in that game, though. Um, ran oh, over yeah. the Buffalo defense, didn't find the end zone, so that kept it from being a truly big game, but certainly a big performance. Otherwise, he gets a weak Packers run defense in Week 16. We'll see about Jeff Wilson Jr.'s status. Seemed like he had a shot to play. He was questionable for this game, was inactive. So we'll see about him for next week, but I would certainly plan on Mostert being the first one in. And probably low-level RB2 for that one with, you know, upside well beyond that if he does clearly lead the backfield and work. Yeah, if Jeff Wilson doesn't play, man, Mostert to to the moon. I mean, you know, Ahmed steals this touchdown in a game where Mostert, I mean, where Mostert should have or could have done more. I mean, the Dolphins kind of went away from the run there. Even on those third and five plays where Tua's crow hopping into these out routes, like they could have just handed it off to Mostert. He probably would have got five yards on the third and five. Like they, they went away from the run way too early. The bills are the worst tackling team in, in the NFL. And it's not, re- it's not really close. Um, so uh, anyone running, playing against, against the bills, if they can keep the game close, you know, look for Montgomery next week and Justin Fields, like the bills can't, the bills can't tackle. So, uh, so yeah, Mostert, um, if he can get into another game without Jeff Wilson, I would love to go, go, go back to him. Yeah, Buffalo Rundy looks tough by the matchup numbers, but it hasn't really played out that way. It's not a matchup that you should alter your running back plans for. Correct. On to the Sunday action where we start with Steelers-Panthers, which action's probably not the right word here. So uh-huh. last week, we're like, I thought the Panthers stink. And then this week, it's like, oh, yeah, the Panthers do stink. This is the team that I thought it was. Pittsburgh's defense has played better over the past four games, which is worth noting, more so against the pass than the run. Um, so I'm not going to credit them with everything. It is Carolina not being that good. They host the Raiders in week 16, do the Steelers, and then they're at the Ravens a week after that. So we'll look at those matchups, maybe treat the Pittsburgh defense a little bit tougher than we have been the past few weeks in projecting players from those teams. And of course, we'll talk about the Raiders offense in a few minutes. Yeah, the Steelers, I mean, it's the running game again. Najee, Harris, Jalen Warren. It's interesting 
to see, you know, the Steelers have always been, Tom has always been this one back system guy. And Najee looked pretty good yesterday and he's looked good when they're, when they're getting Jalen Warren involved, you know, maybe, and Najee still had 24 carries too. It's not like he only saw 15. So, you know, his touchdown run was great. Kicked the outside, um, made, made a guy miss stiff armed a guy kind of on his way into the end zone. Jalen Warren looks, looked good too. And his, and his chances to scored got there. So, um, yeah, the, the the run game doable. Another interesting guy going into drafts next year. If they don't do anything and they've got Najee and Jalen Warren, how do we how do we view that? Then you've got John, Deontay Johnson was open all over the field, running the whole route tree, ten for ten on catches and targets. Didn't get in the end zone again. Uh, impossible. They even tried to give him a handoff inside the five to try to get him in the end zone. Couldn't couldn't get there. And I think George Pickens is just a one trick pony for them right now. It's just it's just jump balls, deep ball. D- just keep running. Keep running defenders off so Deontay can work over the middle. Uh, he did have one really nice catch, uh, 38-yarder, but Pickens is unstartable probably. I mean, he's only had like one or one or two good games maybe all, all year. So um, it's he's more he's more of a dynasty play at, th- at this point, but I do like him go, going forward into next year. Pat Fryermuth, unfortunately, disappeared completely yesterday. Zero targets despite playing his usual role. That came after three straight games of three catches. So he's gone from somebody that we thought we could trust in a rough tight end landscape to somebody who's let us down at the worst possible stretch. Maybe he sticks as tight end 12 in week 16 for a matchup with the Raiders, but like it should be a spot where we feel good about Pat Fryermuth, and I certainly can't at this point. Yeah, I mean, again, it's tight. It's tight end outside of... Outside of Travis Kelsey, uh, there's no one you can you, you can really trust. Like Chigo Conquo might be a legitimately better option than Pat Fryermuth at this point, especially with with, with Traylon Burks out for sure. Uh, the Panthers side of this one tough to like anything besides D, besides DJ Moore. The run game stunk <clears throat> against the Steelers. They fared much better than that in most cases, but. The fact that it's a committee keeps me from wanting to go to Deontay Foreman or Chuba Hubbard in week 16 and beyond. And they're facing a Lions defense that's been better against the run lately than it was previously. So I would plan to not use any Panthers running back over the final two weeks. Did I miss like half a game here? So Sam, Sam, I went back and watched this game, unfortunately. Sam Darnold, 23 pass attempts, and they had 16 rushing attempts. Where am I missing a half a football Somewhere like they just could Chuba, Chuba Hubbard, four for 10, Foreman, 10 for nine. Now, a lot of those are goal line carries that they didn't get in. So obviously uh, the numbers aren't going to look good there if you don't score, but like just a, a gross performance, you know, in a game where you thought, okay, the Panthers can keep it close. They did kind of keep it close. They can, they can, they can run the ball against the Steelers running, rushing defense. That's not been good as of late and just an absolute disaster there. Uh, Chuba does, you know, I don't want to even say save his day because he didn't save his day, but at least he gets something three for, for 57 in the past game. DJ Moore scores awesome fight. And it was really kind of a cool touchdown, you know, on the goal line. You know, I mean, I still haven't really seen it. Like there's like five guys around him. Somehow he comes up with it. Um, so he's, he's been good with every quarterback throughout his career, except for last week when we all needed him the most, but um, five for 73 and a touchdown for him. He's fine. Um, you can probably start him depending on he's he's matchup. He's not matchup proof, obviously, but as long as the matchup isn't, isn't terrible, you could probably start DJ Moore going forward. Yeah, they have the Lions and Bucks, the final two fantasy weeks for most leagues. So those are fine matchups for him. Uh, certainly could be upside spots as they those yeah. are two potential shootout. I, I hesitate to say shootout. Those are two teams that can score some points. 
against the Panthers have the potential to do that. I don't think Sam Darnold can really shoot out, but find spots for DJ Moore. I would plan yeah. to use him at least in wide receiver three range the final two weeks. Eagles kind of squeaked by the Bears 25 to 20. Uh, Jalen Hurts threw two interceptions in the first half, made up for hit, made up for it himself with three rushing scores. The Eagles, though, for some reason, started out this game like, you know what we don't want to do is use Miles Sanders because I don't know why. Listen, don't uh, don't tell Miles Sanders that because he's 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 not having any of that on Twitter. He's tweeting at people. I don't care about your fantasy football team. I mean, it's really stupid to go tweeting at a player complaining <laughs> about what you did to his fantasy team. But first of all, if you're frustrated at Miles Sanders not getting more work in that game, how do you think he feels about it? You think he's like, hey, coach, make sure you sit me because I want to screw over some fantasy players this week. I, I honestly, I don't know what the team was doing because this is how things went. His first carry came with just less than seven minutes left in the second quarter. His second carry came with about three minutes left in the second quarter. Miles Sanders hit halftime with three rushes for 12 yards. And meanwhile, it's not like the passing game was blowing up. Jalen Hurts completed 50% of his passes with two interceptions in the first half. The Bears held the ball for 21 of the 30 minutes in that half. And it wasn't just the bears having the ball either. It was the Eagles apparently coming out with the plan to lean pass. The first, first possession went two Hertz runs, two passes interception on the last one, three passes and out on the second drive Hertz, four passes, a Quez Watkins run, mm -hmm. then two passes and a field goal on the third possession. So that's Quez Watkins, one carry Miles Sanders, zero at that point, fourth drive, Finally, we get a Miles Sanders carry to start things, then a Hurts scramble, then a Hurts INT. So, you know, by that point, it's just like Jalen's like, forget it, guys. I'm just going to run it from here. This is too close. It's closer than it should be. I'm just not giving anybody the ball the rest of the way. Yeah, plus like he had, what, two one-yard touchdown runs that he stole, and then he had the one where there's not a – defender on the field he, he dropped takes a step back runs up the middle for like a 30-yard touchdown there's nobody in sight uh for, for that touchdown run for him it's just amazing was was he qb1 on, on the week or did josh allen be Josh allen's ahead of him right now okay. i believe it's like uh, right now like they're gonna score points between now and the end <laughs> it's of close All i know, you know maybe it depends on format a little bit but yeah it was very close and the guy doesn't doesn't throw a pa passing touchdown and somehow he's, I mean, it just what an evolution at the quarterback position for fantasy football, where it's just like Justin Fields, another guy who never throws passing touchdowns. And he's always, he's always up there. It's like, man, just draft guys who can, who, who can run. Uh, Cause that's all that really matters for, for, for fantasy. Yeah. And one of the guys in our draft sharks dynasty league on FFPC sent a group message during the first half of yesterday saying, Oh, of course, Jalen hurts picks now I to throw out his worst game of the season. And then like 10 minutes later, it's like, Oh, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> get it all back on the ground. Uh, he did, you know, eventually get there passing yardage wise, brought AJ Brown, brought Devonte Smith with him. Um, no touchdowns, but both of those guys got over hundred yards. I would guess that Dallas Goddard will be ready for next week against Dallas. We'll see if we get to hear anything about his role um, as he did not make it back to the active roster for this game on the bears side. They expect to get Khalil Herbert back for week 16. So we'll see exactly what that means for David Montgomery, but I would expect Montgomery to remain inside our top 24 for that week 16, maybe a top 18 spot, even against the bills that we talked about who look like a tough rushing matchup, but haven't really played out that way against running backs who are worth anything. Yeah, you're definitely starting fields, no, you know, no matter what, essentially. And Montgomery definitely gets the bills. And I'm hearing 
shocking. Josh Allen's playing in a football game where there's a snowstorm this Saturday. So there's, they're saying weather in Chicago is going to be nasty. So again, we're looking to look into the ground. The bills can't tackle. So you're starting Montgomery, you're starting fields. Uh, and there's really nobody else worth, worth starting on this team. Yeah, Fields, 95 rushing yards in this game, topped 1,000 for the season, just the fourth quarterback season of 1,000 rushing yards. He's had five straight games over 70 rushing yards. He's been over 80 six times in the past eight games. So we got plenty of, and understandably so, questions, why should I go ahead and trust Justin Fields against the Eagles this week? And the reason is twofold. One, uh, how many quarterbacks do we trust at all? So two, it's the rushing with Justin Fields. The Eagles had shown some vulnerability on the rushing side. And, you know, if you're in doubt, like this is the floor you chase with Fields, even with nothing else, 95 rushing yards gives him nine and a half uh, fantasy points. So he just has to do kind of anything beyond that to at least be okay. You give him one touchdown on top of that, especially if it's rushing, that's 15 points already. So that's the kind of floor that not a lot of quarterbacks can give you. Yeah, and he almost did that. He tiptoed out of bounds on that one. It was man, that run. How long was that run? It was. It was a four. It ended up being a forty-yard run, but it could that have run been had chapters to it. Fifty. I know. It went from a sack to a loss to a gain to a touchdown to not a touchdown. Uh, but great run. He has the ability to do that every week. Yeah, it's fun to watch, even if you're rooting for the other team. Right. Uh, not fun to watch if you're Mike McDaniel, though. When we get the stop it, run, yelled at him. Right. <laughs> Chiefs 30, Texans 24. And this is a goofy one. Uh, the Texans don't have any business staying that close to Kansas City. And they only had 219 total yards of offense. So it's not like, well, two weeks in a row, Houston plays up against this playoff team. This was a matter of the Texans capitalizing on a couple of fumbles by Isaiah Pacheco first, where they scored a touchdown two plays later, then another by Juju Smith-Schuster, where they got the ball at midfield, turned that one into a touchdown as well. So that made it a very different game. The offense really was still nearly worthless overall. We got Chris Moore leading the team in targets again, nine of those, but only four catches, 42 yards. Reasonable expectation for Chris Moore, given what we know about him historically. And then the two touchdowns came from Jordan Akins and Tegan Quatoriano, who I think we all had rostered and in our tight end premium lineups. Yeah, no, I mean, this, uh, this offense is a, is a disaster. Speaking of tight end premium, my, my son is killing me for making me, for making him pick up Jeff Driscoll to put it tight end in his Yahoo home league. I'm like, listen, it's not my fault. As soon as you you label yourself a tight end, you can't score any any fantasy points. The guy gets the guy gets four carries, he gets four pass attempts, and still can't get to like two points fantasy wise. So uh, I, I apologize. I mean, it was either him or Gerald Everett. So uh, it's not like we had uh, major options there. But uh, but yeah, this offense stinks. It stunk. And what what the disappointing thing is how many I had so much Kansas City Chiefs defense everywhere. I was like, oh, this is a blow up spot. They give up twenty four points uh lame but uh but hey it's just one, one, one of those games yeah and that's how team defenses go i mean you right. <laughs> you shouldn't th- there should be some way to not kill them after pacheco fumbles and houston has to go 20 yards to score a touchdown yeah or if there's you know a pick six, a pick six by the right. jacksonville uh, defense at the end of that game. Yeah, it, it, it's tough, but you know, that's the game we play the backfield with no Damian Pierce Royce Freeman led in carries 11 of those for 51 yards. Um, Dario Gumbwale had eight carries Rex Burkhead led the receiving four targets, two catches. So really it's just, it's an offense to avoid as much as you can. Oh yeah. There's no without, yeah, there's no one to even, even worth starting on, on this team. 
Patrick Mahomes, by the way, 87.8% completion. So every week we're like, uh, is Houston really actually tough for fantasy quarterbacks? Mahomes is like, nah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, well, when you got, I mean, he goes, he goes 10 of 10 to Kelsey, 10 of 10 to, to, to Juju, who tried to get hurt again yesterday. Yeah. Every time he catches the ball over the middle, bang, he gets his head ripped off. I think like back-to-back plays that were showing on red zone. Uh, he, he got crushed. But, uh, but yeah, just the story of this entire weekend. Kelsey 10 catches doesn't doesn't score. Juju 10 catches do, doesn't score. But M, guys like MVS score, like everyone's third stringer, Noah Brown, Zay Jones, like all these guys just went went nuts. But uh, but yeah, they, he ends up Mahomes end, ends up getting there. You know, a lot of that high percentage too is you know Jarek McKinnon eight catches. A lot of Isaiah Pacheco like a lot of they're doing a lot of stuff around the line of scrimmage, a lot of screen passes and stuff like that, which is what they should be doing because you know they don't have a a major deep threat. Uh, Kadarius Tony is just a just he's not going to be nothing for the rest of this year. Just uh, I'll be interested to see what how they can incorporate him in the offseason looking towards towards next year. It is time to randomly drug test Jarek McKinnon, by the way. Two more That's touchdowns right. in this game. That's right. Five touchdowns over his past three games. Season high in touches in this game. Second straight week that he set a season high in touches. Third on the team in targets and catches in this one. He was tied for second in that category last week. So I say go ahead and use Jarek McKinnon next week, and then we'll reassess ahead of week 17. Oh, absolutely. And he's going to be the guy that everybody drafts in these in these playoff challenges. And then it's going to be Isaiah Pacheco for three weeks in the playoffs. So I can't I can't wait for that. Or even Melvin Gordon. I can't wait. I can't wait for, for that to happen. <laughs> Ronald Jones. Yeah. Jaguars 40, Cowboys 34 in overtime. Trevor Lawrence, good again. He did turn the ball over a couple of times, an INT early, a fumble late, but rebounded from all that, put up big numbers, you know, against a defense that has been good against the pass all year. Still number one in Football Outsiders DVOA entering the week. He was like, whatever, I got Zay Jones to hit for three touchdowns. Yeah, it's nice to see Lawrence, you know, hit, consistently hit inning pay dirt for, for a year and a half. It's like, man, what is wrong? Like just something looks looks off, and then for the last five or six games, he's just been awesome. The offense has been really creative and really good, and you know, without any like superstar players on it, which is cool to see. You know, they'll bring Calvin Ridley into the fold next year, which will be which will be nice to see there too. Um, yes, yeah, Zay Jones. I mean, what a revelation! Six for one hundred nine, three scores. Um, you know, dynasty, not dynasty, um, soup, um, best ball rosters. Like, Oh, how, how did they score so many points? Oh, there he is. Zay Jones round 20. When I fell asleep at one o'clock in the morning during an underdog draft. Thank you for, thank you for, for, for Zay Jones. Cause he was in the bills and he wasn't very good for the six seconds. He was here and he hasn't been very good for his career. Raiders. Eh, okay. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, like five games at the end of last year, he was suddenly like, Hey, I'm all right. Right, right. So, and hey, maybe it just maybe it just clicked for him. So, uh, but yeah, they had a nice plethora of we- weapons to use there. Uh, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram again, ten uh, targets for him, eight for sixty-two. Couldn't couldn't find the end zone. Um, but yeah, no, they they got some nice weapons there. Trevor Lawrence is a guy that hopefully we're all being hopefully we've been starting here down the stretch. I was kind of forced to with a lot of Kyler Murray injuries. Where all right, I guess it's Trevor Lawrence, and uh, he's he's been really really good. Yeah, I'm, uh, it's too bad there. It's one team where I have Trevor Lawrence as my, you have to be my starter now. And it was on bye this week, so I didn't get to take advantage of that Dallas game. But I certainly feel better about him against the Jets than I would have without this game against Dallas. There's obviously going to be lots of regret, like, oh, I should have started Zay Jones this week. And, you know, obviously that's true in hindsight. 
totally unpredictable performance here. So like what we did know is that he's been a good bet for targets and catches recently. And it's quite possible that we underrated that a little bit in the rankings that we underrated how well Trevor Lawrence is playing versus a tough matchup with the Dallas defense this season. So maybe we should have given Zay Jones a little bit more credit for this one, but I mean, let's be real about it. He entered yesterday with two games all season of 80 plus receiving yards. He entered the game with two total touchdowns for the season. So he more than doubled his touchdown count in that single game. He got just his third game of 80 plus yards. So yeah, he had been running well. He had been a a solid to good PPR option. There was nothing pointing to, hey, this is going to be a blow up spot for Zay Jones. Speaking of running well, the main event champs from last year, the guys from Buffalo are now in first place of the main event this year with Zay Jones in their starting lineup running so pure. It's unbelievable. Uh, so yeah, they're for, for first place again. Shout out to them. Shout out to Western New York fantasy football. Uh, love it. Love to see it. But yeah, no, there was no reason to think he was going to do anything like this. It's like one of those like, all right, well injuries, uh, there's no bye weeks, but I got it. I guess I'll throw in Zay Jones against, against the Cowboys. And there you go. I'm going to get those guys to go to the grocery store and pick out produce for me. Just anything. Winner after winner. (laughs) Uh, Travis Etienne, 19 carries 103 yards in this game. His most carries and yards since week nine. So similar to Trevor Lawrence's big numbers in this one, I think that makes Etienne a little bit easier to use against the Jets next week, which is a tough matchup. Dallas entered this one as a tough rushing matchup as well. A little bit ahead of the Jets even in run defense DVOA. Yeah, he looked he looked explosive to him. I mean, what a game. They, this game, I don't even know how the Jaguars won it. I mean, they were down by like 17, like late in the third. Like Cowboys had uh deck. There was a pick uh inside his own 20 or 25. Uh throw throws another pick, obviously, to end in the game, but the Jags really didn't get going until late in the game. ETN looked looked great though, explosive. Like you said, 19 for 103, only two catches, three three targets, but he did get 24 uh yards there. So uh, it's really just who's 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 going to score the touchdowns week to week for this offense? Dak Prescott, a couple of bad interceptions, especially the game ender in overtime, really kind of overshadowed what was a good performance otherwise. Um, So he, we're probably, well, we're playing him in a lot of cases, but volume has been the biggest issue for his fantasy production. And even in this one, uh, only through 30 passes, 23 completions. So efficient, got three touchdowns. So he ended up with a good outing, but it was still short of 260 yards. So he doesn't have that kind of ceiling that he would if they were throwing the ball more. So we have to factor that in. He's got a tougher matchup with the Eagles coming in week 16. So we'll see exactly where he lands in the QB rankings for that week. Noah Brown, second straight big game here. Not sure I'm ready to bet on him yet. If anything, it makes me a little bit less likely to play Michael Gallup in week 16 or 17. Yeah, Gallup was was invisible. I mean, he was out there more. He ran more routes, just didn't get the targets. They went went to Noah Brown. You know, it's just again another fantasy player this week that just you know all all the touchdowns went to a lot of the a lot of the guys that didn't that don't really matter. So, uh, yeah, Noah Brown scores. Peyton Hendershot, great little wheel route. He scores uh, as as well. So it's not it's not Dalton Schultz, but. Uh, but yeah, spread, spreading the ball around. CD Lamb with seven for seven for 126 yards. He looked awesome. Great catch and run. It's it's nice to see like he's known more of like a possession, uh, like high point go up and get it route runner type guy. But he's he's uh, had a lot of yak yesterday, and he's been doing that quite often this year. So it's good to see him kind of add to his total there. They should they stopped they stopped going to him. They should have been going to him more. 
Um, in the second half, they gained like 103 yards at halftime. Only ended up with 126. That's another reason probably why they lost. Why go his way when you got Noah Brown out there? Of course, of course. I think we're going to have to start playing team tight end in fantasy because it sucks to play Dalton Schultz and not get the touchdown of Peyton Hendershot. And there will be some other more egregious examples, I think, in other spots as we move forward. Let's just play team team everything. Let's get an eight man league and you just draft teams. How that sound? <laughs> that sounds like a horrible game. Saints twenty one, Falcons eighteen. Kind of a gross offensive game here. Talking about horrible two touchdown passes from Andy Dalton, but season low passing volume eleven of seventeen for one hundred and fifty one yards. Both of his touchdowns went to Juwan Johnson. So this is another one of those hindsight. You're like, oh, I should have played Andy Dalton over like Daniel Jones or Deshaun Watson or whatever. But like, if I told you Andy Dalton's going to throw 17 passes, you'd be like, oh, I'm going to go ahead and cross Andy Dalton off the list. Oh yeah. And Taysom Hill is going to throw a touchdown pass. So definitely not playing Andy Dalton there. So, you know, this is one of those where I think process worked out fine for not playing Andy Dalton, especially considering that it's pretty muted production in a high upside matchup. But you know, it's another vote for if you need to use him, go ahead and play an okay player in an upside spot. Yeah. I mean, this, this offense just, I mean, they scored 21, but they just didn't look great. I mean, again, Raheem Shahid, a top 15 receiver this week, three for 95 and a score on, on a, on a, on a really nice throw by Taysom Hill. I'm not going to take that away from him. He should be a quarterback one of these days. He should be a 34 year old quarterback or something like that. Um, two for two, 80 yards and a score for Taysom Hill. I mean, fine, whatever. Um, but Alvin, Alvin Kamara, it's just the guy, what a lost season, like 91 yards. Who cares? Um, did, didn't score a touchdown Two catches for 13 yards. Who cares? Um, didn't score a touchdown. So, I mean, the guy said like one good game all year. This was supposed to be a kind of a, Hey, if you got into the playoffs with Alvin Kamara coming off a bye week and a really bad matchup, um, then you got him against the Falcons and it's just didn't really get there for you. Yeah. You could explain it away. Like, oh, it's bad luck to not get any touchdowns. He ran one fewer pass route than David Johnson in this game. So yeah. that's where you're like, Nope, it's the coaches just being idiots. And Alvin Kamara is, you know, for his, for himself, he's definitely past his expiration date for fantasy upside. So he has had two big games. One of those included most of his touchdowns, if not all of his touchdowns, I forget at the moment, but yeah, he's, he's definitely just not, a player that looks like he's capable of reaching that ceiling anymore in an offense that doesn't look like it's capable of reaching ceilings. Yeah. And you know, speaking of expiration day, he's going to be 28 before next season starts. It's like, he's starting to hit the backside of that career there. So, you know, I, I don't know time might be running out for him to have any more uh, fantasy relevance. They are at Cleveland in week 16, which is still one of the weakest run defenses just gave up over hundred yards to JK Dobbins. So like, if you need to, use, if you have Kamara as one, sure. of your starters, it's an okay week for him, but just don't get excited. Don't expect a ceiling game from Alvin right. Kamara. Don't expect ceiling from Chris Olave right now, either four targets, three catches in this one. We should assume more passing volume going forward, but you know, it's just not an offense to be targeting players. Speaking of targets, though, on the other side, Drake London hit double-digit targets for the second straight game. Seven catches, 70 yards on 11 targets for the rookie. And those really are huge numbers by the scope of Desmond Ritter throwing for only 97 yards on 13 completions in this game. Yeah. Uh, well, that's been the Falcons all year, right? I mean, Riz, Ritter looked, you know, oh, it can't, it can't, it can't be worse. Uh, it looked pretty bad. Uh, he looked kind of lost out there, take to taking sacks and all that type of stuff. But yeah, good, good for London to see again, another good receiver that 
we're just gonna have to wait another year on um Alave's had a great season but you know this isn't the peak for him either same with the same with drake london um let's see what the falcons can do in the offseason but he's really him CPAT, you know, I mean, I don't think we're starting Algier movement moving forward. I hope not. But again, there's not another guy that popped up out of, out of nowhere to carry these best ball teams. So, uh, but yeah, there's not much to love in the, for the Falcons offense. 17 for 139 and a touchdown on the ground for Tyler Algier. And this one is first hundred yard game as a pro. He did have a 99 yard game previously. I'm glad that they're playing Baltimore next because playing maybe the league's toughest run defense now will suppress any urge to try to use Tyler <laughs> Algier this week. That's that's definitely the answer. If you're asking, should I play Tyler Algier? I'll say absolutely not. Um, and then we'll see what he does and then reassess for week 17. Yeah, I'm not happy to start any of these guys. Lions 20, Jets 17, predictably tough offensive matchup for both sides here. Lions running backs got a season high nine targets for DeAndre Swift. He did lead the backfield in playing time in this one, but his playing time was still in line with week 14, still down versus his week 13 uptick. So there's still going to be risk for Swift heading into an okay matchup with Carolina in week 16. Home for Chicago should be a better matchup for everybody on offense in week 17. So Swift is usable, but still falls well short of being exciting in fantasy. Yep. Just a kind of, again, another guy that kind of had a little bit of a lost season here. I mean, we're getting towards the end. Uh, not Nine targets is awesome to see out of a running back. Five for 23, not so great uh, on, on the nine targets. Doesn't Doesn't get in the end zone either. Um, you know, second on the, on the team in carries behind Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams does nothing uh, without his touchdowns. He had like a 15-yarder called back, um, which stunk for 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 his owners. But um, but yeah, 13 for 33 for him. I mean, they didn't really look great running the ball much, to, to be honest with you. And um, the offense really didn't, didn't didn't do much like we expected. Jared Goff away from home, out of the dome. Um, he does get that one long touchdown to Brock Wright. Great, great play design. Brock, you know, kind of going right. Brock Wright sneaks out the left. It's wide open for a 51-yard touchdown to kind of ice that game. Yeah, go right, then go to right. Jamal Williams, right. even worse for him, matched in playing time by Justin Jackson. So do not plan to use Jamal Williams next week. He was outside of our uh, top 24 for this week, so certainly not somebody that we were looking to use here. DJ Chark near silent, which was predictable, tough spot against the Jets. Jared Goff, I think this was a solid game for him. We weren't expecting big stuff because it was a negative passing matchup. 252 yards, decent. Had the one touchdown, like you said. This is his sixth straight game without a turnover, which is especially nice when he's on the road against a tough defense like the Jets. So I think he's going to be usable against the Panthers. I'm not sure. I haven't really looked hard enough to know whether I've got Jared Goff as a top 12 quarterback for the coming week, but certainly in that top 16 range, I think, where... You know, if you need a streaming level play, I would probably feel better about Jared Goff than Deshaun Watson in week 16. Yeah, I haven't looked at the matchups yet for for week 16. I mean, I have a lot of Jared Goff, um, Daniel Jones, you know, it's like that type of deal. I don't know who the Giants play next week, but yeah, it's it's Goff's fine. I mean, all all the weapons they have there, the creativity on, on offense, you know, this was not a bad game for him considering it was away from home and against the Jets. And they've got the Bears in week 17, which could be a sneaky good Beautiful. fantasy spot for all these best ball and, and <laughs> uh, high stakes tournaments. Like 
kid, there's going to be a lot of lions and bears deciding who wins money week 17 of this season. Awful. It sounds terrible. I will say this one, that was a matchup that was like back at best ball drafting time is like, uh, I'm going to watch that Detroit Chicago week 17 matchup with Justin Field and Dave Montgomery and DeAndre Swift and all those guys on the Detroit side. It was one of those kind of sneaky, interesting matchups. And then, well, what do you, and then, yeah. So then well, how, when you play in these tournaments that are weekly, you got, you got to win to advance while you're on rock teams. Good luck. You're, you're getting them through. Cause if you, if you got here, if he got you here, you know, 14 is tough when, when all the other random 16th round picks went off for two scores this week. So uh, it's going to be tough getting, getting your on rock teams through. Yeah, get rid of the playoff formats and just play it all the way through so the best team wins, I say. Don't, but it's, I, don't, I don't disagree with that. Not going to happen, though, unfortunately. On the Jets' side of this one, Zach Wilson ended up getting to 317 mm-hmm. yards and two touchdowns passing, which it seems like they should just have a stat correction that takes it away because he clearly did not play that well. Completed 51.4% of his passes in this one. And just to like stick a needle in everybody's eye, his two touchdown passes went to CJ Uzama who absolutely nobody was using. So even the stuff that did happen is helping absolutely nobody, including his team that lost. Um, people are going to see the two touchdowns for Uzama and say, Oh, should I pick him up and use him at tight end this week? Cause my tight end stink. I was using Jeff Driscoll last week. Tyler Conklin still ran twice as many routes as Uzama. So this wasn't a matter of roles changing. This was just one of those goofy things that happens when everybody's watching even closer. Yeah. Um, Uzama only saw two targets. I mean, you're not, you're not starting Uzama. Um, All he does is score touchdowns. That's right. That is, that is true. All he does is score touchdowns. Uh, yeah. Zach Wilson stinks. I'm just going to take my opportunity to say that weekly. Um, I mean, he had a, he had a play where he, Throws like a like a lollipop across the field to Michael Carter, who has to go up and moss somebody to make this sixteen yard, sixteen yard catch. And speaking of Michael Carter, they didn't, I don't think he had a touch or a target or anything until after halftime because I went I went looking like wait is Michael Carter hurt nothing I don't think he had anything and then they came out and he got that one target and then he got four carries for fifteen yards I think he had a touchdown maybe at the uh, at the goal line either called back or he was stopped like an inch short or something. I think I think that that's what it was. He was stopped at the goal line, and then did Zach Wilson run run one in, uh, or he tried tried to run? Oh yeah, they, they ruled. Then they ruled Zach Wilson down short. Okay, and then then it was Uzoma. I'm replaying it all out of my head here live in the Draft Sharks <laughs> podcast. Uh, but yeah, the the uh, hey, if you if you had to start Garrett Wilson and you were terrified, at least he got you there a little bit, right? 14 points, so could have been much much worse. And I'm sorry for all those of you that had to start Elijah Moore, but he did he did get nine. Yeah, nobody on this team caught more than four passes, but Garrett Wilson, Jeff Smith, Elijah Moore did all catch four to tie for the team lead. Elijah Moore was second on the team in targets behind Garrett Wilson. Denzel Mims was the third starter with Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore, but he suffered a concussion early. Jeff Smith stepped in for him. Um, So, you know, that's what's happening if if Denzel Mims doesn't come back. And maybe if Corey Davis is back, we'll still get – Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis, and Elijah Moore in the slot, which is worth noting um, going forward. They have uh, – who do they have? I don't I don't have down who the Jets have, I guess because I'm just mentally knocking everybody out if Zach Wilson's still the starter. <laughs> uh, I know they do not have the Bills, so they probably got the the, the, the Patriots and the I, – I, I can look it up here. But. Yeah, they're, they got Jacksonville next, Jacksonville and at Seattle. I thought that that was – what I had down. So that's one of those matchups where if you do have a Jets receiver and it's close between them and somebody else, that's an upside matchup for that Jets wideout. It is still Zach Wilson, and you should definitely not plan on there being 317 yards most weeks. But 
at least that's the second time this year we've gotten 300 yards from Zach Wilson and Jacksonville has been a high upside passing matchup. I am not starting. I mean, Zach Wilson is, is more likely to get benched mid mid game than he is to throw for 300 yards again. I don't know. I'm not, you just want a quarterback to get your receivers there. So I guess there's a chance, but he's not, it's not going to throw a touchdown to a wide, to a wide receiver. He's terrible. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I wouldn't go chasing after jets receivers, but if they're your best options, then it's, it's not the worst spot. Um, third straight good outing for that lions run D as I mentioned. So it's one of those where you don't sit a good running back against them, but be aware of it for uh, matchups that are, you know, more borderline running backs. Yep. Uh, Broncos 24 Cardinals 15. And if I open a game book, the NFL game book and see Latavius Murray for 24 carries, 130 yards and a touchdown, I close the game book and move on to something else. <laughs> That's right. Welcome to week 16 folks. This is, this is what, uh, this is what it was all or week 15. Sorry. Yeah. You might as well move on to week 16. That's right. You said we come welcome to week 16 because you already <laughs> mentally moved on. Come on. Latavius Murray this week is drunk. It's time to send it home. Listen, I'm a closet Murray fan. He's from upstate New York. My son went to one of his camps. Uh, this is this this offseason. Super nice guy. Really good with the kids. So it was nice to see him. And he didn't even have a team at that at that point either. But uh, he was confident he'd latch on with somebody. And here we go. Latavius Murray, 24 for 130 in a score. Imagine what Javante Williams would look like in a Broncos uniform. Unbelievable. Uh, but Marlon Mack, Marlon Mack scores too. What an ugly game. R- Brett Rippon stinks. Trace McSorley and Cole McCoy stink. It's just, you know, Judy got there a little bit, 14 points. Not, you know, not not a ton of flash there, just crossing routes and slants and stuff like that. He didn't try to end a ref's life yesterday, not that I know of, like the week before. So, but yeah, congrats to uh, Latavius Murray, all those 20th round uh, best ball picks. Those te- those, those, those teams are get, getting through. My biggest takeaway from the performance of that Denver backfield in this one is you should be happy if you have any running backs facing the Arizona defense over the next two weeks. They host the Bucks in week 16. They are at the Falcons in week 17. So if you're that Tyler Algier fan hoping to play him in week 16, I say bench him against Baltimore. Uh, cross your fingers for getting through to the championship. And then maybe we can close out this fantasy season with a big old Tyler Algier week 17. <laughs> That's Hey, I'm in. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. <laughs> and the Cardinals offense is really like about what you would expect from a game that started with Colt McCoy, at quarterback and ended with Trace McSorley, a quarterback. We did at least <laughs> right. get a touchdown from James Conner. Yeah, that was great to see. I, I needed Conner. It was great to see him get there. And the one thing we could say, Hey, listen, five targets for Conner. So even if you don't want it, these receivers are hard to start. Listen, anytime you get a running back where their quarterbacks are willing to check down, which these two these two bums are, uh, we love it. And James Conner should get targets and opportunities against the Bucs next week, but then he's got that juicy Falcons matchup in week 17. Right. So, you know, again, all those James Conner teams are just crossing our fingers for week 16, get us to that matchup and see what can happen. Yep. Raiders 30, Patriots 24 in a game that was completely overshadowed by one Jacoby Myers decision at the very end, something I'm sure he realizes is probably the worst decision of the year. It's at least duking out Tom Brady's decision to dump his supermodel wife so he can go sub 500 with the Bucks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I smile ear to ear when I just think about think about <laughs> this this game and the Patriots, and it's just now I do feel bad for Joby Myers. I mean, they're interviewing him after the guy's like holding back tears because he realized yeah. like they're probably not going to make the play. I mean, they, they they may squeak into the playoffs, but what a 
boneheaded, like just unthinkable. And you know, he, you know, you so you, you you do feel bad for him, but other other than that, like the Patriots, no, no, nobody likes them, and nobody deserves this more. But um, <laughs> yeah. you but like yeah. the top rule gods coming back oh, now and yeah, having just right. overtaking Jacoby Myers' body. <laughs> exactly. Um, but as far as the Patriots are concerned. I mean, there's not, they, they, they stunk outside of Ramondre Stevenson, who, who as of like Saturday, we weren't even sure was even going to play. As of Sunday morning. Yeah. Right. As of Sunday morning. And then he ends up 19 for 172 and a score and look and look and look great doing it. So, um, yeah, as, as long as Ramondre Stevenson's active, man, keep, keep, keep rolling him out there. That's the worst. Like, even as of Sunday morning, they're like, it seems like Stevenson's going to play. He, I think the quote was good chance to play from Ian Rappaport, but they also added the caveat they, they're going to test him pregame to make sure. So then you have to decide, all right, it's either Ramondre Stevenson for me or I have no running back to put in for him at four o'clock. So in a lot of cases, you had to just go ahead and start somebody else because you can't just take a zero at running back. I mean, you know, you can say you got to plan for that stuff, but there are a lot of formats where you don't have that option and you're just stuck either, tr- you know, playing him or taking a zero or playing somebody like Deontay Foreman in the early game. So that, that, that's the tough part of fantasy. It's going to be, it's going to feel terrible if you lost with Stevenson on your bench, but you know, ultimately there's only so much you can do if you don't know if the guy's going to play. Yeah. This was a tough week for that too. Three Saturday games, you know, even, even on the Saturday games alone, I had to, you know, decide between like Raheem Mostert in the evening. Well, is Jeff Wilson going to play? We don't know yet. Well, that affects it. How's the weather? Like it was just a tough weekend for lineup decisions. Like you said, T, T. Higgins was one where I just rolled the dice. I'm like, all right, you know what? It's, it's, it's T Higgins or I'm just going to lose like whatever. Like I just got to do it. Cause I had no one playing and Sunday night or Monday night. So those decisions are tough. Sometimes they work out. Sometimes they back, they, they, they backfire. But if you waited on Stevenson, you get, you got rewarded. Patriots passing game did absolutely nothing Gross. here. And it was not, not just bad, but it was so bad that you probably aren't going to play any of them in week 16. We'll reassess beyond that. Even Jacoby Myers, you know, aside from that decision, he trailed Tyquan Thornton and Nelson Aguilar in playing time. So you can't even be like, well, at least Jacoby Myers is on the field. The most he's a clear um, strong target bet. I mean, it's just a passing game that you want to avoid. And it, this isn't a stretch that should be an upside passing stretch for Mac Jones. So it's just a, it's a garbage offense at this point, which yeah. was predictable because they didn't, they don't have any offensive coaches. Yeah. <laughs> or, or they've got six of them. And when you get six offensive coaches, you don't, you don't have any, right. It's just, uh, yeah. I mean, and plus Mac Jones is screaming like Mac Jones has to do something in the league for he's, he's acting like Tom Brady out there. Like he's ever done anything screaming at receivers on the sideline. Yell last week. He was yelling at coaches and the stuff like, dude, you stink. You're out here talking to, you know, yelling at players like, man, you know, which I love to see. Trust me. <laughs> love it. I love when Belichick's throwing the phone and all this stuff's happening to them. I love it. But, uh, but yeah, their, their offense stinks outside of Roger Stevenson. Raiders offense wasn't great. Derek Carr did hit three touchdown passes. No Raider exceeded 50 receiving yards in this game, though. We got Darren Waller back. He split time with Foster Moreau. Uh, got a touchdown among his three catches on three targets, 48 yards. So I would guess that there will be more playing time next week, but we'll have to factor in a little bit of risk for his role in that one. Hunter Renfro also returned, but ran a clear third among Raiders receivers and was also behind both tight ends in total playing time for this game. So not somebody that I would plan to use the final two weeks. Get Hunter Renfro on the Buffalo Bills. 2023, Hunter Renfro, takeover for, for Cole Beasley. This guy was sensational last year. Hunter Renfro was top top 13, top 14 fantasy receiver at the end of the year. I mean, we knew it wasn't going to happen again. 
with all the weapons they had there. But they're just they can't they can't figure out how to get in the ball. I know it's a new coaching staff, but Hunter Renfro's never been this bad in his life. So let's let let's get him on a different on a different team. It's sad. Sad to see that, but yeah, Carr gets there. Twenty of thirty-eight, two thirty-one, and th- three touchdowns. A lot of deep balls uh, that where they did not convert. Mac Hollins. I don't know. Were they triple teaming Devonte Adams at the end of that game? Because it seemed like every play was just a deep ball to Mac Hollins. Mac Hollins over and over and over again. So, and then Keelan Cole gets one point five feet down in the end zone. Gets that gets that touchdown there. Um, and so, yeah, it was just kind of a, kind of a strange game. But again, Devonte Adams nine targets should be fine. Right, but it just again wasn't enough to get him there. All those Adams, Adams Diggs teams uh, that I have are just are just dead now. Yep, unfortunately. Chargers Titans should have been a good spot for offense overall, but we got thirty-one total points from this game, fifteen and a half less than the Vegas game total, and both teams came in nearly eight points shy of their implied totals from the Vegas numbers for this one. So really disappointing overall. Justin Herbert now has improbably three straight games with more than 300 passing yards, but also fewer than two touchdown passes through two picks in this one. So not a great game for him. It's just the second time in eight games that he did not attempt to pass from inside the 10 yard line. So there's, there's some bad luck overall to the lack of touchdowns, but it certainly wasn't so much bad luck in this one as lack of opportunity, lack of offense getting down there. It's the second time in the past five games where he didn't throw at least one touchdown from inside the 10. So we'll usually get more. You probably go ahead and use Justin Herbert, but we can't totally ignore that three straight games of one or fewer touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. He'll, he'll be doing moving forward here with the weapons, uh, with the weapons, healthy, healthier, you know, them pushing for a playoff uh, spot here. So I think they're in the playoffs currently. Um, but, uh, but yeah, this is, this is a team that, can explode at any moment. I mean, the Titans are a tough defense, really good run defense and really well coached. Like they're always just like hanging around and winning games. Um, they almost pulled this one out too, with like nothing uh, there, but, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, I think Herbert obviously could come around Eckler, not a great game, but does get that touchdown to get, get him there on a great run. I mean, he, he was low to the ground, carried like three people drove like three people into the end zone. Great, great run for, for him. So, uh, but uh, in, a, in a week where he didn't really get there passing wise, only three, three targets to two for 12. So uh, there's better days ahead for, for Eckler. It's weird that he got there rushing more than he did receiving. Right. That's what Tennessee plays especially well. And he actually had an efficient rushing day. So, you know, that's just a mark of you start Austin Eckler and you don't think too hard about how it's going to work out. You'd like to see more receiving, but as long as he, you know, fared at least okay. We'll take that. Chargers are at the Colts next week. Then they have the Rams after that. So obviously what we need next week is for the Colts to go up 30 to nothing. Then we can really get that ceiling <laughs> game from Justin Herbert. Oh yeah. Um, on the other side of this one, we got the second straight hundred yard game from Derrick Henry. So thank goodness we got the Texans up next. Obviously he's going for 250 in that one. Yep. So be excited if you have Derrick Henry on a playoff team. Chica Conquo has matched or beaten Austin Hooper in targets in four straight games. Hooper's still there, so that's going to hurt the floor for both players. But I would say don't worry about the return of Traylon Burks hurting Chigakonkwo. Because like the way that they've lined up, Traylon Burks going down has kind of coincided with Chigakonkwo getting more work. But it's not that it's not like Akonkwo plays the same position. It's not like his playing time should be tied to Burks's. I would say ignore those connections on the timing and trust that Tennessee does not have that many playmakers. 
So they should want to keep a Conquo involved regardless of who's on the field at wideout. And if you have two guys that are capable of catching a ball and turning it into a long gain, you know, all the better for the offense. I agree with everything that, that you said. I don't just don't know if, if that's what's going to happen. Hopefully, hopefully it does. Um, uh, Tannehill, it's just when you don't throw, it's like, it's, it's like a Falcon situation, right? When there's 22 attempts, if they keep throwing it 22 times with Burks co- co- coming back, like it's just going to hurt everyone. Um, but yeah, hopefully, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. Chicken Conquo and Traylon Burks are their top two most explosive guys in the passing game. So um, Conquo led the team in targets yesterday with five and Derek Henry got four and he should, like he should be getting four targets every week too. So um, hopefully the Titans get in these game scripts where they have to throw, um, and then uh, everyone can be can, can be startable, but it's just going to be hard with uh, with Burks and Akaku on the field at the same time. And we'll see if Burks is back this week. I would guess that he will be. He's been out multiple games with the concussion, yeah. um, but we'll watch his status. Bengals thirty four, Bucks twenty three, and Adam. Who does Tom Brady yell at when he's the one at fault? Man, oh man, did they have like four straight turn like four straight plays with a turnover? It felt, it felt like, like it. it was unbelievable. They were up what seventeen nothing at the half or seventeen. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think maybe. Yeah, maybe. I think they kicked a field goal. The Bengals did with like no time at the end of the half. But uh, this was a game that Tampa was in complete control over. I was locked in because, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, I want the Bills to get the one seed. So I'm rooting against. And I'm like, oh, okay, beautiful. Here's a here's a game where the Bucks sh- should control. And then it was just turnover after turnover after turnover. Like four interception, muffed. They have a, a punt, a muffed handoff, like just a all on their own end. It was, it was, it was unbelievable. And then that was it. The, the Bengals just blew the door off it. Higgins touchdown, Boyd touchdown, chase touchdown. Must be nice to have those type of weapons at, at your disposal. But, um, but yeah, it was just, it was a wild game. Yeah. Do we have those four touchdowns you mentioned from Joe Burrow limited yardage because the bucks kept giving it to him on the doorstep. So there's only so far to go crappy rushing day for the Bengals, but at least Joe Mixon did reclaim the backfield receiving lead. So we like that versus Samaj P Ryan going forward. And then back on the Bucks side, we got solid games from Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, but Russell gauge eight fifty nine, two touchdowns, of course, be on a team high 12 targets with Julio Jones out. I mean, we'll see. Maybe Russell Gage is in that kind of like wide receiver 36 to 42 range where he's a, a flex and PPR, maybe a wide receiver three consideration for some teams if Julio's out again in week 16. Man, from someone who's so overweight, I have so much Chris Godwin and Mike, Mike Evans to see Russell Gage. I mean, what Zay Jones, KJ Osborne, Russell Gage, Noah Brown, Jahan Dotson. Uh, just the list goes out of top 10 receivers this, this week that nobody cared about. Um, yeah, it was, you know, if, if Julio's out, Russell Gage is, could be a thing. I mean, who, who knows? I mean, they all kind of, they all kind of got there. Um, Godwin scored eight for 83 and a touchdown. Um, Russell, Russell Gage, like you said, eight for 59, 12 targets, just wild to see, but nothing looks easy still. And that they scored to 23 points that were control in the first half. Nothing looks easy. Everything over the middle is like contested. No one's running wide open. There's not a lot of run after catch, even though they are one of the um, yard after catch leaders in the NFL. I think it's because of their running backs, but um, yeah, it's just, it's just gross to see. Those running backs only totaled six targets in this one, 13.6% of the team total, usually better than that. Leonard Fournette and Rashad White have combined for 18.8% of Bucks targets for the season. So we should expect a rebound in that category. The Cardinals weak running back defense is up next. So it'll be a good week to have either Rashad White or Leonard Fournette, although obviously they're going to continue cannibalizing each other's value. 
is Tampa still in first in their their division at six yeah. and eight? Yep. So it's like they still got everything everything to, to, to play for. And Tampa's a team that's going to sneak into the playoffs with a losing record, and they're going to get a home playoff game, and they're going to win. It's just going to it's just so stupid how this works. I don't know. I bet they get crushed this year if they're I, if they're at home to open the playoffs. Who's the two seed? And, and is it the Niners are right now? Yeah, the Niners yeah. might 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 pulverize them. Yeah, Brock Purdy will get a second shot at Tom Brady. And then Tom Brady <laughs> will finish his career zero and two against Brock Purdy. There you go. <laughs> Giants 20 commanders 12 Adam I had mixed feelings as I was watching Saquon Barkley go for 120 total yards against Washington last night 87 on the ground on 18 carries those 4.8 yards per carry were his best since week five against Green Bay 33 receiving yards also his most since that game is eight targets a season high so obviously He's back from the neck injury that limited his use last week. The reason I have mixed feelings is because I thought he was a pretty good bet to go under his yardage total. I tried to use him to get that bonus on underdog and he crushed my pick. Him. Uh, so I guess it's to... on me for not trusting Barkley. That's right. Come on. He was, he's, he's due, right? He's due. But uh, yeah, no, it was good to see uh, him involved in the passing game. Um, have a have a Barkley type game for all the teams that made it through. But yeah, he looked he looked he looked fine. Um, you know they went. Uh, his one touchdown was on was on Wildcat, which I love. I love when teams break the huddle and go on Wildcat because you're gonna hand it off anyways. You might as well clear everybody out of there. So, um, no, I do I do like that. So yeah, it was nice. Daniel Jones did. I want to say it's a disappointing game, but I really didn't expect a lot out of him. I never generally do, especially when he didn't run the ball. I mean. 35 yards, but he had one. I feel like it was like one or two runs, and that was it. Everything else was for like for for, for a loss. Almost fumbled. Um, well, did, did fumble, but he was he was down, so um, didn't lose any points there. But just the offense didn't didn't look that great. It was the defense that really won this game for for them. Yeah, he wound up with 10 rushing attempts. Yeah, um, uh, they, they didn't really go anywhere. You would think like if the reason that you would play Daniel Jones is for rushing floor. And it has been a lot better than that. He's been averaging over 40 yards, but only 35, only three and a half yards per carry on this one. You know, it, like you said, it's you, you want to call it disappointing. You know that there's this kind of downside risk with Daniel Jones. So, I mean, it, this it just happens sometimes. Yep. Commander's side, Brian Robinson, good again, 12 carries, 89 yards on the ground, did not get the touchdown that Adam needed from him. Jahan Dotson, four catches, 105, and a touchdown. More than half of that yardage came on a single 61-yard catch, but he also matched Terry McLaurin for the target lead. So nice role for him. I'm not sure that he's going to climb a whole lot higher in the rankings this week, maybe around wide receiver 36 to 40, something like that. But it's tough to, to trust from those two games both against the Giants and one of those a season high and pass attempts for Taylor Heineke. It's tough to trust just those two, you know, changing the outlook for Dotson when McLaurin's really been the target share dominator since Heineke stepped in. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, especially when they're all splitting, splitting the, the targets, right? Six for Dotson, six for McLaurin. Samuel saw five. Samuel also saw five carries, which killed um, any, any, attempt that Antonio Gibson had of having of having a good a good game. So yeah, it's hard to know. You're gonna start McLaurin to me is the, obviously still the no, no, number one in this in this this group here. But um so you're gonna want to start him moving forward. But it's gonna be really tough when everyone's healthy. Um and back to Brian Robinson. I'll be the first one to take the I mean I have a ton of, of Brian Robinson so I drafted a lot of him but man watching him earlier in the year I was like this guy is pathetic. <laughs> um he looks 
incredible. I mean, explode for a guy his size, he looks explosive. He does he looks really, really good. Makes does that one cut catch and run. Um, I think he had only yeah, only one target for eight, 18 yards. Like he looks really, really good. It's it's you know, it's good, good to see coming off off the gunshot wounds that you can pr- pr- progress <laughs> uh later on <laughs> down the year. So we can add that to the add that to the um the injury protocol there um of, of how long it takes to come back from, from a gunshot wound but good <laughs> good for him and he looks really really good um but again that touchdown man being called back just so he didn't he didn't quite get there for fantasy wise 90 90 rushing yards one catch for eight, 18 yards that that little run in would have been really nice for him yeah it's easy for us to look at a guy being active and just say ah oh, he's not very good look uh, his running's not efficient he doesn't look that fast and underrate you know where they are uh fitness wise you know not yeah. factor in that oh yeah the guy was just out for two and a half months didn't he get shot twice in the leg that's probably <laughs> impacting him a little bit you know maybe there's some upside here as he gets a little further removed gets a little bit more time to train away from the field so yeah it is nice to see him rebound the way that he has even if it has come at the expense of antonio gibson recently who should not be in fantasy lineups um, for most cases, Curtis Samuel to close this game out probably should have gotten a pass interference call on that final play in the end zone and extended that at least one more play. Well, what I mean, if people haven't been following this. It's like what a what a what an event! Like two plays, they get uh, Brian Robinson scores when there was was that was it Tara McLaurin up top yep. that was asking if he's on on the line. The ref seems to give him a thumbs up. He gives him a thumbs up back, and then he immediately throws the flag on a <laughs> on a. On a penalty that shouldn't have happened because they discussed, and then it doesn't even matter. Like this is what kills me. Like that that affected the, the, the play, not at all. And then the very ne- I think it was the very next play, he gets cursed. Cr- it's crushed, <laughs> tackled by a linebacker. In the it was a bad week of officiating in the NFL. It was a really really ugly week. Yeah. Oh, well, what are you going to do? We got one more game to go this week, Adam. And if anybody is either not. Um, waiting on something like sweating out their matchup tonight, or maybe they are and just, you just want something to either um, hedge it or add a little action to the game. We've got underdog pick them still that you can play. So Rams Packers tonight, Adam, what is your favorite underdog pick them play for this game? Well, I'm clearly hedging the Christian Watson. So I don't take this as like, it's like fantasy and analysis. I will be betting every dime I have on the Christian Watson over, over fantasy points. Um, uh, clearly. Cause I'm trying to fade him in, in a, in a $5,000 entry league, but, um, but, and this is going to be such a cop out, but I feel like every time I make this bet, it tends to hit in these low scoring games where the team, where I don't think it's going to get away from anybody. And off at the offenses aren't very good. I love taking kickers over one and a half field goals made. I feel like it's a little like cherry on whatever you're going to do. Like if you're going to do a two or a three team or a four piece parlay here, I feel like Mason Crosby over a field goal and a half in a game that should be close, depending on the weather, keep, keep the weather in mind. I'll be checking that out too. But I feel like in a game where like, because you get these games that get out of hand. Well, no, we got to score touchdowns to keep up. I don't think it's going to going to be like that. And I think they'll be able to move the ball a little bit on on, on the Rams because the Rams, you know, the Rams could turn the ball over at their own thirty yard line. And then you got yourself a field goal attempt right there. So I love the Mason Crosby over a field goal and a half. 
We've got underdog pickums. We have got sleeper over unders, which both work the same way. You pick out the plays that you think will go over and under. You stack as many as you want. The more you stack, the more money you can make with them. You can enter promo code draft sharks, or you can click the link for either underdog or sleeper at the bottom of this podcast post. You will get your first deposit matched up to hundred bucks, 100% match the Christian Watson over. I would say is a good bet too. his receiving yards are by our projection well over what the underdog line is 48 and a half is his market line we haven't projected for 64.8 yards so even if you don't think even if you think that's too high even if you think they're not going to throw the ball a lot big difference between those two he can hit 49 yards and you win past four games christian watson's gone 107 48 110 48 so I certainly hope that we don't get a 48 yard game from Christian Watson here if we're betting the over because those are the worst. Uh, but he looks like <laughs> a pretty good bet. Alan Lazard is also uh, pretty solidly over. His market is 45 and a half yards. We have him projected uh, well over that. I didn't put down what his number is, um, but you can check our rankings and see exactly what that number is. And he's averaging 56.4 receiving yards per game for the entire season. So I think Alan Lazard is a solid over bet. You're going to have to bet somebody from the Ram side. I'm very tempted by Cam Akers under 55 and a half rushing yards. That doesn't align with our projections. So I can't officially recommend it, but I'm very tempted. The one that I did choose Adam to go on the other side of the Packers receivers is Baker Mayfield over 30 and a half pass attempts. Cause I don't think there's going to be rushing success for the Rams. I do think the Rams are going to fall behind. We already saw him go over that number last week in his first game with the team. So I don't think that they'll be apprehensive about having him throw it that much. Yeah. Um, that, that, that'll be interesting. I actually took the Baker under to- total yards cause I just think he's terrible, but, uh, but you're right. As far as game script, that could absolutely be, be right. He could, he could hit the, he could hit, listen, he can hit the over pass attempts and still finish under 203 total yeah. yards. Yeah, I don't hate the under on his total yards at all, yeah. even with the pass attempt thing. I even, I was thinking completions, but I lean toward pass attempts because I would not be at all surprised if we get a 13 for 32 passing night. Yeah, yeah. That's going to do it for this week 15 recap edition of the podcast. Head over to draftsharks.com now. You can find more individual player recaps for free in the shark bite section for week 15. We will be updating our rest of the way rankings throughout the day and then rolling out the week 16 projections and content starting midday tomorrow. If you're a dynasty player, you should also head out, head over to draftsharks.com. You can check out the first two articles from our newest writer, Mr. Herms. You can find two dynasty articles from him, a new buy sell hold report as well as a free look at some upside players who just might be sitting on waiver wires in a lot of dynasty leagues. That's a valuable thing to be finding this time of year, Tuesday night here on the YouTube channel, you will be able to find the next episode of the deep end with Adam and Mike show up. Adam, what should people expect from that one? Yeah. Sorry about last week. We got to hit some schedule uh, d- difficulties. So we ended up going Thursday, which I really liked doing some, some lineup setting advice, but this week we're, we're going to go tomorrow night. We are going to finally get into that underdog playoff stuff that we were talking about. Cause though, I think there's some edges now with, you know, teams that we don't know if they're in the playoffs yet or not. So you can get some edges there on some, um, on some of those lineups. Just be careful about betting on chargers, making the playoffs. Listen, I've already got a couple of those, a couple of those chargers lineups. Jared and I will also be back on here for our normal Thursday and Friday preview pods, although it's going to be a goofy week because most of the action is on Saturday this weekend. So we'll all be watching those deadlines, watching those injury reports in Shark Bites and elsewhere to make sure that we get our best lineups in for the next round of the playoffs. 
For Adam Krautwurst and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Shouse saying thanks so much for swimming with us.